is a well-respected high school football scout, known for his unpopular opinion and brash commentary. The coach, Keith Miller. He's a well-respected national high school football recruiting analyst. Craig, Craig Biggins. Together they bring you the transparent truth. The world's number one source for high school football recruiting news and interviews. In the transparent truth. Tr- 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 <laughs> welcome, welcome. You're now listening to the Transparent Truth. It's your boy, Coach Keith. Intercom Studios and a Miracle Mile. Excited about today's show. We're talking high school football. We're recapping games. We got a sleeper of the week coming out of San Juan Capistrano. But before we get to any of that, GB, Greg Biggins, 247 Sports Recruiting Analyst, 20-plus years in the business, and a trusted source around the football community. Greg Biggins, how you doing? I'm doing good, Keith. We just jump right in and talk a little recruiting right now. Absolutely. You know, your favorite part of the show. Absolutely. Recruiting is my favorite part, with you leading it off. So, GB. The Transparent Truth Recruiting Report. Give us what you got. Yeah, so I had a few commitments. A guy who really caught our eye at the SoCal Nike opening regional camp in San Diego, Alonzo Hall from Mesita. Yeah. And you talk about a body... And I mean that in the most masculine way possible. I mean, this kid just looks the part, but he went ahead and committed to Arizona State over the weekend. ASU, we'll, we'll get to them. We'll, actually, we're, we're going to talk a lot about ASU, Keith. They had a, a huge, huge weekend. Um, almost made it a mini junior day where they brought in about 50 players from all over. A lot of the, you know, the top in-state guys, Keely Ringo, Jason Harris, were there. But they had a ton of SoCal players. Uh, Chris Hudson, Gary Bryant, L.B. Bunkley. Uh, Rajon Davis, Jonathan Flo, Corey Foreman, um, Jaden Navarrete, all of those guys were there. They offered a, hand, a handful of them. Um, uh, let me see if I can find my notes. They offered Flo, who everyone knows. That's the younger brother of Justin Flo. They offered Foreman. Centennial uh, D-line. These are all 20, 21 kids, so current sophomores. Uh, Rajon Davis from modern day, a, a 20, 21 kid. Um, offered all of these guys. And... Um, also had Jaden Daniels there on an official visit. The Markham Twins were there officially. Um, obviously, Alonzo Hall and Mary Johnson was there officially. Noah Paula Gates, big time safety from Arizona, was there officially. So, phenomenal job. And uh, Drake Jackson, Stephon Wright were there unofficially, Keith. That's big. They were just there for their official trips a couple of weeks ago. So, for them to come back on their own dime, referring to Drake Jackson and Stephon Wright, kind of shows you they have some serious, serious interest right now in the Sun Devils. And I think... It's going to be only a matter of days. Already got Alonzo Hall. I think Mary Johnson's next. I think the Markham Twins are going to be right after that. I think they got a real shot with Jaden Daniels now, all of a sudden, Keith, coming from way behind. It was Utah and UCLA. Then it was Utah. I think ASU's got a great chance. So they're doing an amazing job. And it's kind of a, you know, me and and me and Huff and Blair were kind of joking around about how ASU is doing a better job getting SoCal kids on campus than UCLA is right now. ASU, led by Antonio Pierce, uh, but not just AP. I mean, they got a whole staff that's, that's really doing a great job. Uh, Tony White, as well, young and energetic. Obviously, Herm Edwards is all about fire and enthusiasm and being just a, a motivator. It's a great weekend for the Sun Devils. Big win over UCLA on their senior day. And uh, a lot of good things happening at ASU right now, Keith. Love what they're doing. Not only are they playing well on the football field, but head coach Herm Edwards spearheading recruiting juggernaut right now. Like you said, Amiri Johnson, 
soon to probably commit to ASU. Alonzo Great Hall, a kid who has a first round frame. And if he can ever learn to play the game with the type of discipline, technique, and attitude um, that's warranted from a first-round pick, he's got a chance to be a very, very good college player and an NFL player. He's got an unbelievable frame um, that needs to match his athleticism and also his football intelligence. Amiri Johnson kind of built out of that same mold. So you're talking about two long, athletic kids who can rush the passer, set the edge, uh, play great run defense, and run to the football. Drake Jackson, big-time defensive end out of Corona Centennial, going on his own dime. Arizona State doing a fantastic job, not only getting kids on campus, offering kids, offering them early. You talked about a kid named Rajon Davis out of modern day, big-time 2021 kid, defensive end, outside linebacker, about 6'2", and about 220 pounds. The fighting Herm Edwards, getting it done on the recruiting trail, getting it done on the football field. You better look out for ASU. With the down years of UCLA and USC, ASU pulling up the rear and going to be in pole position before you know it, GB. Yeah, no, it's kind of it's kind of cool. Corey Foreman and uh, and Rajon Davis will go be going head to head. Obviously, we'll get to talk about that much later. But Centennial and, and Monday represented there. And, um. So Stephon Wright is going to announce on Thanksgiving Day. He has one more official visit left. That's this weekend to the University of Washington. I think ASU is in a really good spot for Stephon. You know, ASU's dream class would be Stephon Wright, Drake Jackson, and then Alonzo Hall, uh, Mary Johnson. You have two guys that, you know, we'll call it like you see it. You know, probably say Hall and Johnson are somewhat kind of, you know, projects, right? They're not ready to go and play right now, but right. have a lot of long-term upside. Yes. And Drake Jackson, I think, could start from day one. And Stephon Wright, I think, is very, very talented. He'll be in the rotation as well as, as a true freshman. So really great way to build a D-line class with guys that can come in and play now with guys like Hall and Johnson who both have NFL bodies as well. So I like what ASU is doing. Also uh, committed this past weekend was Michael Callahan from Yorba Linda. I uh, saw him at a PTP camp over the summer. Uh, Randy Taylor, who you work pretty closely with, pointed him out, and he committed. I already say what he committed to Boise State. Yes, uh, Michael Callan going to Boise State. So a defensive end, um, 260. Um, you know, versatile kid, and took his official visit two weeks ago, and went ahead and committed to Boise State uh, just a few days later. So a typical Boise State guy, just a, a football player, uh, not a lot of hype, but just a guy who loves the game and plays hard, coachable, leader, all that good stuff. Uh, LaCarrie Pleasant Johnson, uh, DB um, out of Arizona, committed to Utah. So he's a good-looking six-feet six corner, kind of fits what Utah likes to do. They like to get those big physical corners that can kind of press, and um, I like Johnson a lot. And then uh, last but not least, out of Bakersfield, Christian, Keontae Galletton. He's a two-way athlete. Uh, he committed to Wyoming. So mentioned ASU quite a bit, but there was a few other schools that were – a few other players that were taking visits. Uh, Trent McDuffie, who had a huge game over the weekend, took his unofficial visit to Stanford. Uh, also, Cal commit Bradley Archer visited Stanford unofficially. Excuse me, Keith. Um, McDuffie, right now, uh, Washington, Oregon, also heavily involved. I think Stanford is the team to beat if he can get past their admissions. If he is not able to, then I think Washington is probably the team to beat there. But it could be a moot point if he if he is cleared by Stanford admissions. And then uh, Archer, a good-looking tight end. Um, again, he committed to Cal, but I have him already. Crystal Ball to Stanford. I think he's going to flip at some point. Stanford doesn't lose too many guys that they really want 
especially that are local like that. Sure. Daniel Hamuli uh, from Menlo Athlete up in uh, Northern California he took his official visit to Utah. He's one of the elite linebackers, not just out west, uh, but in the whole entire country. Um, like Hamuli a lot, his recruitment is pretty wide open. Washington, seems like they're involved with, with every top kid, including him. So uh, USC, UCLA also both trying with Hamuli quite a bit. Buzz, I get Washington might be the team to beat, but obviously Utah's trying to kind of put their best foot forward. And then Jeremiah Cordell, who's been a long time commitment to Oregon, took his official visit to Oklahoma over the weekend, Keith. So that's watch little, out for that one. That's a little interesting. It is. It is. And um, I think there's two ways to look at that. Both Sean Dollars and, and Jeremiah said they, they've always wanted to take their trips. You could say, hey, this is no more than just the kid taking a visit to go see a school. Or you could look at it this way as, a, hey, this is a kid that, uh, you know, maybe he isn't completely 100% sold on his decision. And Oklahoma is a spot that they really want him bad. And they feel like he can come in there and fit in pretty well there. So I haven't yet to talk to Jeremiah since that visit. So I don't know how it went, but uh, we'll probably find out pretty soon here. Uh, and then Notre Dame had a, a couple of SoCal kids. Christian Dixon at a Diamond Ranch, took his official or unofficial visit. He's just a 2021 kid, but, man, he came back and said he really, really liked it a lot out there. So um, Christian Dixon, for those who don't know, will be one of the elite receiver DB-type prospects in the 2021 class. Uh, unofficial visit for Logan Loya to Colorado, who just lost their head coach. So you can look at Colorado's recruiting class right now. with one of their better ones they've had. They did a really good job, especially in Southern California. I think all those guys are now going to be free agents. And um, a mm. lot of people are going to be going hard, hard, hard after a lot of those guys on Colorado's commitment list. So kind of a bummer. Guys like, you know, KJ Trujillo, um, Mark Perry, Brain Huffman Dixon. Tariq Luckett. Um, Tariq Luckett, absolutely. So that's the worst part during a coaching change is that obviously the coaches and their families also met all these players are kind of locked in and, uh, now they got to go try to find a spot. Hopefully they can find a spot. Um, but, uh, yeah, Keith, that's about it right now. The, this weekend, UCLA is playing USC, and they're, they're going to host a bunch of kids on, on official visits. So we'll have that next week. But speaking of UCLA, big Mike Martinez from modern day, he got – we don't really have enough time to go through all the new offers, but I thought this one was, this one was pretty significant. Sure. Uh, big Mike got an offer from Washington, and uh, I think that is a pretty significant one for him. I think he will visit. UW at some point. I think he is still pretty solid with UCLA, but um, I do think he'll at least take that visit and give Washington a shot, give him a look, and, and kind of see what he thinks about them. Hey, also, uh, Orange Lutheran 2021 uh, athlete, DB Robert Reagan, uh, he also visited ASU and got an offer from them over the weekend. So they offered at least that I know of four 2021 kids, Flo, Foreman, Davis, and also Robert Reagan from Olu. So that is going to do it for recruiting notes for the week. Yeah, yeah, some interesting stuff. Mike Callahan, the Boise State, I really like that. The Amari Johnson news, a uh, little bit of news from me. I thought he was more of a Boise State lane, but it sounds like ASU might creep through the black door and steal him away from the Broncos. I took a look at a kid, GB, that officially visited USC this past weekend. A kid from the East Coast, I believe he's from North Carolina, his name is Dewan Jones. Not sure if you ever yep. heard about this kid. I have, I have. I just didn't mention him because he was, a, he sure. was a non-West Coaster. But yeah, no, big time. Absolutely. And 
I've got a chance to speak with him uh, on multiple occasions, but really got a chance to really speak with him this morning at length. And Dewand is a two-time All-State basketball player. He's an offensive tackle. He's six foot eight and a quarter. 350 plus pounds moves pretty good for his size and age it needs to continue developing but you talk about a kid who has special written all over him if he can drop 20 pounds and really become a, a, a half a step quicker in his in his set uh, with his feet and his flexibility and his knee bend, he's got unbelievable length on the edge. He can mirror pass rushers if he gains that extra half step. GB, I was very impressed. When I took a look at the tape of Dewan Jones, he's only rated three stars. But if we're talking projection, and you talk about this kid losing 20 pounds and gaining a half a step, you're talking about a special, special football player, prospect, whatever you want to call it. And um, it'll remind you of a former UCLA great who's now in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Who is that? Left tackle, Jonathan Ogden. Oh, you're comparing him to Jonathan Ogden? No, no, no. I'm not comparing him to. I said if he drops 20 pounds and improves his feet, foot speed, gains a half a step quicker, he will remind you of a young Jonathan Ogden with his length, his size, his basketball background, um, and then it would be his foot speed. So, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Dewan Jones, I was very impressed, Greg. Just turned 17 years old. It really moves with a certain fluidity and bend that you you don't see from a kid with that size at that age. So uh, just something, yeah. somebody for, for, for people to keep an eye out on. Yeah, no, like you said, total, complete late bloomer who yes. we had heard. And, you know, I think he's a pretty high-end academic kid as well. Right. So I think for a while, it looked like he was going to go that route and kind of new to football. So um, USC... Get in on him. Did, did, did he actually talk to you about the trip at all? Did he like it out here? Yes. He liked it out here, but he said that every school in America has contacted him. Every significant school for him has contacted him in the last uh, kind of 48 hours. He said recruiting has gone crazy. He thought he was ready to make a commitment and a decision. But the fact that this new influx of schools have now jumped on board and uh, began to recruit him, that he just might wait it out, take a couple of more trips and really decide towards the end of the signing period, the second signing no, period. Yeah, yeah, no, his offers were like Ball State and Cincinnati right. and right. Indiana. Yeah, like, oh, like the last week. Um, yeah, he really blew up. So mm-hmm. that'd be something if USC can pull him in there. Um, yeah. Hey, also, <clears throat> uh, Kayvon Thibodeau, uh, unfortunately, was supposed to visit Florida over the past, over the weekend. Um, obviously, I, stupid for me to say unfortunate about a recruiting trip because all the fires and sure. what's going on in, in yeah. the area. So I take that, take the unfortunate word back. Let's just say um, unlucky that he wasn't able to take the visit to Florida. So Kayvon uh, will likely um, visit this weekend, although the game between Oaks Christian and St. John Bosco, last I heard, this is a, this we're taping on a Tuesday, they still haven't decided if they're going to play on a Friday or a Saturday yet. So that was some discussion you know, what they're going to do. Obviously, Oaks played Jay Sir on a Saturday. So, in order to keep it fair and give Oaks another, you know, the same amount of time to prepare, they wanted to have the game on, on Saturday. So, if they play on Saturday, no Florida visit. And you can probably rule Florida out for Kayvon. Yeah. If the game is on a Friday, there's still a chance that Kayvon will visit Florida. But right now, Florida is kind of running a distant fourth behind Bama, Oregon, Florida State anyway. So, 
a quick note on Kayvon, and that's going to definitely wrap it up. Unless you have some more recruiting notes for us, Keith. That was a nice little nugget you gave us on Dewan Jones. Yeah, no, nothing else. Are you still crystal balling Kayvon to Oregon, GB? Is that still your crystal ball? Yeah, as of as of today, you know, as of today, uh, again, I, 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 my only hesitation was there's still time for him to take one last unofficial visit to Bama or Florida State. But just talking to people close to take uh, close to Kayvon, there is no plan for him to take any other unofficial. So I think, uh, I think right now Oregon is, is sitting pole position with about a month to go. I think he told me December fifteenth is going to be his commitment date. Um, that's I believe that's his birthday, but he's having a little little deal at his house on the 15th, and then early signing day is December 19th. So we'll find out in a little over, what is today, the 13th? We'll yes. find out about a month from today. month from, uh, yeah, about a month from today, we'll find out where Kayvon's going. Yeah, no doubt about it. It's going to be interesting. No question about it. But thank you, Greg Biggins, for your recruiting love. Yes, sir. <clears throat> Appreciate it, as always. Let's move along. It's time to get to our Sleeper of the Week, GB. It's time for our Sit and Sleep Sleeper of the Week. Really want to thank our guy, Larry Miller. He's allowing us to showcase unknown prospects that need to be brought to the spotlight. Larry is all about family and community, and his support is helping to change the lives of young players across the country. Each week, young men are getting scholarship offers after being featured on this show. So thank you, Larry. When we have business and a man that is really interested in the community, we need to show our support right back at him. Sit and Sleep is the only place that offers advanced sleep technology. Greg? Body diagnostics. That's five-star stuff. This is high-quality stuff. Lay down on a mattress, and within seconds, thousands of sensors can help you find the absolute right mattress for you. Wow, within seconds? Seconds. Man, that's awesome. Yeah. Sit and Sleep. They'll beat anyone's advertised price, or your mattress is free. Appreciate you, Larry Miller. Thank you, Larry. All right, our sleeper of the week this week, a guy we both, I think, have a lot of respect for, a young kid who reminds me a little bit of, you know, myself when I played the game, linebacker, J. Sarah High School, Mr. Vic Clanton, uh, what can I say? A kid who loves the game of football, studies it at a high level, um, the leader of the defense, vocal leader, emotional leader, runs around sideline to sideline, makes terrific contact, plays with a ton of intensity. Vic Clanton at about 5'11", 220 pounds, is a legit inside linebacker on the next level. Um, and not a power five level guy, in my opinion, Greg. Could be a low FBS guy. Definitely thinks he's a, he's an FCS guy for sure. Uh, the kid is productive. Um, he's a leader. He's a high character kid. You know, colleges at some point, you got to stop losing your job over projection. And when those guys don't pan out, you got to start taking football players. So I'm here to stand on the table for Vic Klan. I, I really like the kid. He can run. He can hit. He can move in space. He does a great job leading that defense, calling the signals. And uh, he's an excellent football player, terrific kid, high-character guy. And I think that something will come down the pipe for him eventually as he does compete in the toughest league in America and was one of its best players this year on the defensive side of the ball. Yeah, I totally agree. I think you can make a case. He could be the Trinity League defensive player of the year if they wanted to go that route, obviously. A lot of times they get those awards to, you know, the best player on the best team, which would be Bosco modern day. But you know, I had a chance to watch him in person two weekends in a row at Long Beach Poly, then over at Oaks this past week. And he's just so productive. And he's, you know, I'm just curious what he's going to do. Talked to him a couple of weeks ago, and I was like, hey, you know, would you take a walk-on? Would you do the, the Juco route? And hopefully you can earn 
You know, I've, I've seen so many times where a player goes to a, a JC who is really lightly recruited. All of a sudden, now you're seeing offers like out of the woodwork. The kid becomes a national, national kid. So I would hope he would, uh, you know, maybe think about going, you know, grades are fine. So he can get out of there in just one year. Right. And I know a lot of, a lot of good JCs that would love to have him be, you know, the centerpiece of their defense. He'll go have 120 tackles. And then hopefully have a chance to, you know, go somewhere else. You know, four to play three, not a bad option at all for Victor. So hopefully he gets something. But if not, uh, you know, there's always a Juca route. There's a lot of success stories. Kids have gone that route, ended up at a, you know, a big-time P5 school and had a lot of success that way. So um, a good kid, good family. Uh, talked with Pops a little bit during the tailgate. Jay Sarah did something really cool. They opened up, uh, had their tailgate open to all the Oaks parents and had like a 1,000 burgers uh, for everybody there. Um, I'm sure so you got one, GB. Did you get one or two? I, I, I did. I did. I had one, and it was uh, it was a good time, man. I, you know, I got want to shout out Miss Dolly McCutcheon from Jay Sarah, who had the best, give me the best Texas brisket I've ever had in my life. Wow. This was, it was a little bit cold. Yeah. Um, but, hey, it was still very impressive. So hats off to Jay Sarah and their families for opening up their tailgate and welcoming sure. the Oaks family. Uh, but, no, getting back to Victor, I, I like you said, man, I, I think he's a football player, and hopefully someone will give him a chance. Yeah, there's no doubt about it, and, and that sounds impressive. Some Texas brisket. I'm a little little bothered that I wasn't in, <laughs> in the building to get some of that. That sounds – but what a game, and I'm sure we're going to recap that game, but what a fantastic game that was to watch on Great TV. Game. Great game. Yeah, it was. Uh, right now, GB, let's get to our top performance, my man. We're going to start off here uh, in Southern California, as we always do. And all I have is Southern California for you today. I'm going to go with Stephen Bradford, a kid out of North Torrance High School, Greg. 322 yards and three touchdowns in a quarterfinal win. Did a nice job for North Torrance. I uh, want to go to Christian Grubb. Uh, two touchdowns, flashed his 10-6 speed, and uh, I've been getting contacted by many people about Christian Grubb, so hopefully things take off for him very, very soon. Let's go with Demario King, the wide receiver, the senior receiver out of Los Alamitos, 6-2. He had four touchdowns, three coming in the second half. He did not want to lose, but they took an L to Notre Dame, but Demario King wasn't his fault. He balled out. Um, let's go with Ryan Frankie. Well, Greg, you were at the game, so I'm going to let you take the Oaks Christian, uh, the Oaks Christian deal. You go ahead. I don't have any stats, but okay. I mean, I can tell you, Ryan Frankie was staying good. But I don't oh. have any numbers. If okay. Throw numbers out there. Yeah, sure. So I have some numbers. The senior defensive lineman was outstanding, uh, and I'm sure, like you said, Greg, you you caught it at the game. The kid was phenomenal. He had five tackles for loss. He had a sack, and his penetration and his quickness in the interior or on the edge when Kayvon Thibodeau was out the game was difference-making for that Oaks Christian defensive front. There's no question about it. Ryan Frankie, very good football player. His initial first step is what sets him apart from other defensive linemen. He is quick off the ball, but he plays with tremendous leverage. He's never high, Greg. People are never under his pads. They never get up underneath him. Even though he's a 6'3", 6'4", kid, he plays low. He plays quick off the ball. He was in the backfield all day. Nate Lenthal, how about that? 2019 defensive back. Deja vu, Greg Biggins. Last year, he picks off Upland. And the last, almost the last play of the game, picks him off at his own five-yard line, returns it 95 yards for a touchdown to basically win the game for Oaks Christian. This past week, he picks off quarterback Caden Bell. He takes it 45 yards for another touchdown. And again, deja vu. 
for Nate Lenthal, the senior defensive back from Oaks Christian. How about Ethan Calvert? I thought he was very good, Greg Biggins. Did a little bit yep. of everything. Caught a few, he caught three passes. He had a sack. Multiple impressive special teams tackles uh, where he did not allow the returner uh, to gain positive yards. Ethan Calvert, I thought, jumped off the screen for me. Uh, so those are the three the three guys that I have from Oaks Christian. I want to shout out Sean Guyton really quickly from Notre Dame. He had three picks. Two went to the house in the win over Los Alamitos. Justin Moore, also from Notre Dame, he had two sacks against Los Alamitos. And then Jordan Smith, who had seven tackles and a sack. Uh, for Notre Dame. GB, that's all I got for Southern California, my man. Yeah, I mean, all those Oaks guys you mentioned, it, and obviously Nate's other Jack Lenthal I thought was tremendous as well. Um, but how about Jack Charbonnet? I, I do have his numbers in front of me. He had 220 yeah. yards rushing, and got like, I know he had one long, I think he had a couple long runs, and a 33-yard touchdown, and another pretty long run. But a lot of these runs were just like 8 yards, 5 yards, 7 yards. I mean, they're just all tough, physical the kid is just really, really good. But uh, all three of those Oaks guys, you, you mentioned Calvert and guy, even um, the older Josh Calvert. Yeah. He's so gritty. You yeah, know what I mean? Yeah, he he does not look like a quarterback But he makes some Maybe throws, Greg. He makes throws. He makes plays. He makes plays. He, just flat he makes, out plays. makes plays. There you go. Speaking of making plays, how about Jaden Daniels? You hear about his night? <laughs> he went video game. 18 to 29. For 431 yards and six touchdowns, also rushed for 145 yards and three touchdowns. So he had nine touchdowns all by himself, threw for four, uh, and rushed for over 140. When I say threw for four, I mean 400 yards, not four touchdowns. Threw for six touchdowns, 431 yards. I mean, you got to think right now, he's got to be the leading candidate for state player of the year. The numbers he's putting up and the records he's breaking, Jaden Daniels. Uh, his teammate Darren Jones was his main guy. Eight catches for 214 and four of those touchdowns. And then Cam Stevens, good-looking defensive back, sure. had two interceptions in that game. Trent McDuffie, uh, able to watch that game Friday night on TV. Uh, probably turned for a touchdown, rushing touchdown, interception, forced a fumble, recovered the fumble that he forced. Also, Keith, he had a probably turn called back for a touchdown and a wide receiver touchdown that was called back. So yeah. Trent McDuffie just did a little bit of everything really, really good. Big game for Bryce Young, 20 of 27 for 372 and four touchdowns. Also rushed for 44, and Big Brew McCoy had five catches for 189 and two touchdowns. Also had one touchdown rushing. Uh, Upland had an upset win over Norco. Uh, Big Cam Davis, the Washington running back commit, had 189 yards and a touchdown on 30 carries. That was a tough physical win for Upland. Nice job uh, by them. Also, Simon Samarjic going to Wazoo as a long snapper, had two touchdowns playing tight end. So, Hey, man, it's all about the long snappers. You can't do anything without those guys, and he showed that he could absolutely, absolutely play in the field as well. In a losing effort, uh, Shane Illingworth was 17-29 to 29 for 321 yards and four touchdowns, but he also was sacked seven times. Yeah. Uh, Justin Flo, Justin's brother, had three of those sacks, including the final play of the game. So I was trying to watch the Bosco game on TV and then also on Prep Zone watching Marde Mitrovejo and Upland Norco it was tough to do it, Keith, but I, I tried my best to yeah. try to get all three of those games in. Uh, Centennial rolled. Gary Bryant had four touches, 164 all-purpose yards and three touchdowns. He had a, a receiving touchdown, uh, a punt return, or excuse me, a punt return for a touchdown, a receiving touch, two receiving touchdowns. Gary Bryant, uh, explosive kid. They got modern day this weekend. He's going to have to come up big. And then, talk about a man playing with boys, Trevion Brown 
from Linfield Christian. They're like division like 11 or 12. This yeah. is unfair. This kid's going to Washington State. Um, he had four catches for 93 yards and touchdown, interception, a sack, and then he had four tackles for loss. Yeah. So big Travion Brown going to Wazoo, Linfield Christian, and uh, very, very good football player. And I think that's about all I have, too. A little bit of a bone to pick with you, GB. Can I express myself? Why not? A little bit of a bone to pick with you. So you do your Fox Sports deal, and uh, I'm, I'm scrolling through my phone. You do your Fox Sports deal. I'm thinking, okay, player of the week. I'm thinking, this has got to be Zach Charbonnet. I mean, what a performance this kid put on uh, in front of a packed crowd versus a team that, you know, they were they were significant underdogs, right? Uh, Oaks Christian yeah. was, they were significant underdogs, Greg. Uh, what about significant? A seven and a half? I maybe you know they were that's that's pretty significant. You wouldn't take it on the money line. I did, well, I, I but you wouldn't. I don't gamble. I'm just but. saying. I'm just saying, Greg. We're talking well, hypothetical. Just to, hey, just to cut you off real quick, you know, I've, I've already we already had Zach Player of the Week early in the year, so we have oh, to do a new, so this, new guy. Okay, so this is so, a little political. So your vent your vent might be might be pointless because it, it may be it may be, but I, really I'm trying to shine a, a brighter light on Zach. Love bro. I know he went off, uh, but I had not seen a performance like that in a game where you come in as the underdog, not just an underdog, a significant underdog, and you're on the road versus a training league team two hours at minimum away from your uh, home site, and you come in and you dominate the game. You dominate the game. You talked a little bit about, Greg, his uh, you know, five, seven, eight-yard runs. He, they were bruising runs. You know what they were? They were punishing runs, Greg. There were runs where, you know what? We don't really want to tackle this guy anymore. We don't really want none of that no more. I mean, I'm hurdling guys. I'm running for touchdowns. I'm jumping over the pile, and I'm swag surfing my team, the offensive line, into the end zone with the ball in one hand. Zach Charbonnet was phenomenal. That was one of the best running back performances that I've seen in a big game versus top-notch competition on the road in a hostile environment. No, you're preaching to the choir. Like I said, man, I even mentioned Zach in my Yeah, in you, my did. you did. I'm, I, of course, I'm just messing with you, but yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I mean, I, I would, I, I will say this. I would, I think, you know, right now, I think everyone has, you know, Trace Center's number one. I think there should be discussion. I think, you know, I've been saying, you know, we had this discussion last year. Remember, we were yes. driving yeah. when he was a junior. I said, you know, I like Zach Turbany a lot. What do you think? Yeah. Um, I think he should be in this discussion for best running back in the country. And I love what Trey does. And you can't diminish Trey at all. But, no, for me, Zach is, he's in that special category. And he showed it in a, in a I mean, there was Bosco guys at the game. And, and obviously, they're, you know, they're all about George Halani. And I, and I love their loyalty. And I was like, stop. You got to stop. I go, this is George Lani with about 20 more pounds, faster, stronger. And by the end of the game, they're like, okay, okay, this guy's real. So that, that's tough to do to convince, you know, teammates. They're always a little bit myopic for sure. their own of guy. Of course, of course. I, no, dude, you don't have to sell me. And no, I, I thought both Zach and Jaden Daniels' performances were definitely worthy. But yeah. like I said, we, uh, you know, got to pick a new guy every week. So yeah, that, no. that's, the, that's the rule. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I get it. Uh, I was just, I was, I was, I was very impressed, and we've been singing his praises for a long time. I know how high I am on him, just for my own conscience. But 
that was that was pretty special, Greg. I, you know, and I don't, you know, they don't make kids like that anymore out here. Not, not out here, no. Yeah, I was gonna, I was gonna say that. Yeah, before you said that. Out, yeah. out here, he's not from. He's. He's from somewhere else, you know, in a in a previous life or whatever. However, you want to set up the table there. He's not from here. He's doing it the way it's done back down south, and it's just it's tough. It's gritty. It's nails. It's nails, Greg. I'm eating nails and I'm crapping steel, and uh, I, I was I was I was I was blown away. And he did a really great job, but you know, it's time to move on. Zach Charbonnet, you know you're big time. Uh, yeah, we'll get more. To, we'll get we'll get to talk to yeah. Zach when you start breaking down the games. But yeah, yeah. Uh, no, it's funny. People always ask me, "Hey, you know, why are you going to Michigan?" I'm like, "Why not Michigan? I mean, he's a prototype Big Ten. You know, between the tackles, pound the football. And like you said, you know, lift that two fifteen. But you know, watching him up no close, way. He's two twenty five. Easy. And. He is a he is a thick he's a big thick kid man man look big big kid so hey let's should we break down these games or what yeah yeah let's get to it Greg start us off you're the man with the master plan GB so hit let's us D five we did D five last week so let's do D five again yep um again this week let's not and I, I take the blame for this let's not actually break down the yeah, games yeah. that are happening Friday yeah. I, got, I, I got a little excited so let's just break down the games that got us to this point yes um. So we had an upset, Keith. We had Aquinas, the top seed, lost the Palace Verdes twelve to seven. Did I not call that, GB? I I don't remember. I I did. I said South Bay guy. I'm going Palace Verdes. They come in every year. They play with great discipline. They're going to get Aquinas. I said, sorry, Aquinas, you're going down. (laughs) But yeah, yeah, that's what they do, Greg. The pitchers duel. Yeah, a pitchers duel. Yeah. Uh, Then Glendora knocked off. Apple Valley, little opposite of that game, forty to thirty-three. So Palos Verdes will take on Glendora, and then Lawndale with a big win over Antelope Valley, sure, thirty-eight to nothing. Lawndale is loaded, and then they will take on St. Paul, who knocked off Lucerna, thirty-four to not, uh, thirty-four to thirty. Excuse me. Oh, so St. Paul knocked off Lucerna. Okay, uh, they will take on Lawndale, who had a huge win over Antelope Valley. So. Uh, Lawndale, St. Paul, and Glendora versus PV is the semifinals. I think we both called Lawndale to win this bracket. Yes. Um, but, uh, yeah, nice call on that upset. PV, 12-7. That's what they do, uh, Greg. They came into this game, you know, pretty battle-tested, 9-3. and three, But I, I know a couple of those losses were to, to some high-quality teams. So sometimes playing a tough, gnarly schedule and taking a, a few lumps can kind of pay off around playoff time. Sure. I mean, I, I can see, I can see Palace Verdes, Londale in the championship game. But, but like you said, we'll move. We'll talk about that down the road. That Londale St. Paul matchup is going to be good. So hey, we'll see how that uh, how that shakes out. Let's move along. D four. D four. So we have Colonel Mar with a big yet big win over Yorba Linda, forty nine to twelve. Another big game for Ethan Garber's John Humphreys. They will take on a Camarillo team. Um, who knocked off? I know you're really high in that Oak Hills team, Keith. Yeah. Um, Camarillo with a big win, 44 to 20. Wow. And I guess Camarillo just came in with a really good game plan. Talking to a couple of Oak Hills parents, they just said, hey, uh, they did some stuff that honestly was a little confusing for us. Mm-hmm. So uh, the Oak Hills running game that had just been smash mouthing people yeah. was somewhat contained. And then Camarillo able to put up 44 on the board. So it's going to be Credit Omar playing against Camarillo in one semifinal, and then Grace Brethren 
who's sneaking good, uh, knocked off Paramount 41-12. to That was a closer game than that. They scored two touchdowns late in the fourth quarter. But Grace Brethren just runs the ball. You can't stop it. You can't contain it. They'll take on a Villa Park team that I like a lot. Yeah. Uh, Villa Park beat Saugus 32-15. to So the seeds uh, held serve on the bottom half of that. Villa Park is going to host Grace Brethren. That's going to be one really, really tough physical game. And then on the top half, uh, we have Corona Del Mar is going to play Camarillo. Yeah. So, those should be two really good semifinal games. Yeah, doesn't surprise me. Camarillo, they do a great job uh, playing offense, Greg. A really, really good job playing offense. Remember, they had a game with La Habra a couple of years ago that was super high scoring. But they do a great job scheming uh, and executing, and they're very dynamic with their offense. So it doesn't surprise me too much that they put up big points against Oak Hills. I thought Oak Hills be able to run the football and really slow the game down. But obviously, Camarillo gets the W, and they blow the scoreboard up, and you look at the bottom half of that bracket, Grace Brethren, they pound Paramount, pound them. Lontrell Diggs and company take it to the Pirates, and they move on to the semifinals. What about Villa Park, Greg? 32-15 over Saugus. That's a great game uh, in the semifinals. Grace Brethren, Villa Park. I'll be looking forward to that, all right? Division three, let's move. Division three, let's go there right now. So we had Cajon. Knocked off Paraclete, 76-40. to 40. Jeez. And uh, that was a wild game. Talked to Dean Harrington a little bit, and he, he was super impressed with Jaden Daniels, obviously. Yeah. But uh, it was also lamenting the fact they had seven turnovers in that game. Keaton still scored 40. Right. So. Um, wait, 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 wait. Wait, say that again, Greg? So Paraclete had seven turnovers. Wow. And still, and scored, still scored 40 points. 40. Yeah. Wow. They fumbled. He said they fumbled going in on the one-foot line. Um, five interceptions. Just uh, and you know Dean, man, he's just always fired up, man. So I, he's he's got respect for Cajon and, and Jaden, but you know he was lamenting the fact that they gave away so much and so many turnovers. A lot of them, he said, were just unforced. Sure. Um, but Cajon's just an offensive juggernaut right now. So Cajon knocks off Paraclete. They're yep. going to play Capo Valley, uh, who knocked off Santiago twenty to twenty. Yeah, I had Capo Valley so, there. Cajon and Capo Valley. Yep. And then. Uh, Sierra Canyon over Moore Park. That was a blowout, 62 to 21. Yep. I really like that Sierra Canyon team a lot. And then my upset, for no other reason, because I just said I just want to pick one, uh, did not come to fruition. Uh, Citrus Hill beat Downey 35 yeah. to 28. Yep. Um, so Citrus Hill, the two seed, advances to play the three seed, Sierra Canyon. So serve, uh, seeds hold up sure. on the bottom half. We have Sierra Canyon versus Citrus Hill. And then the top half. Uh, I think I think the, the seeds held serve there too. I think obviously Cajon was the top seed and Capital Valley was the uh, four seed. So Cajon, Capital Valley, Capital Valley over Santiago, twenty twenty. Uh, again, Nate Manning, good quarterback for them going to Cal for baseball. Good quarterback as well. Cajon offensively, very very good. Sierra Canyon is rolling right now. Um, I, I got them in the final with Cajon. I think Sierra Canyon is really good. And then Citrus uh, Hill surviving and advancing past Downey. 35 to 28. That's uh, that's Division 3 right there, Keith. Oh, yeah. I was undefeated in Division 3. Favorites hold serve. Capital Valley's good football team, but it's going to be a tough matchup versus Cajon. And Citrus Hill plays good football, but Sierra Canyon is battle-tested. They've played a tough schedule. They've got talented players. That's going to be interesting. GB, time for Division 2. Division 2 is highlighted by a team 
that we like to call Rancho Verde with a big win over Alamany. Did you call that one? No. I actually had Alamany on a, yeah, I had Alamany on an upset, but Rancho Verde, they show their medal and they yeah. get it done. That surprised me. I wasn't surprised they beat them, but surprised by the score, 42 to 14. And I remember seeing it was like 20 to nothing at one point. Yeah. Um, that game was also on prep, so I did not watch it. It was too hard to w- try to watch two prep zone games as it was. So I wasn't going to try to watch three at the same time as watching the TV game. But hats off to Rancho, man. And uh, my good buddy Pete Duffy uh, beating Alamany. And Alamany overachieved. I mean, Casey talked to him uh, not too long ago, and he was like, dude, before the season, if someone would have told me that we'd finish 7-5 and second round of the playoffs, I would have said no chance. You know, he thought we were all freshmen, sophomores. You yeah. know, we're a year away. I'm, he was so happy just to, just to get that far, uh, to get to the playoffs and to beat Cathedral in the first round. Um, so, uh, but Ranch have already 12-0. Talk about just a quiet 12-0. Yeah. Um, nice job by them. Notre Dame knocked off Losal. I want to say you had Losal. Or did you, did you switch to Notre Dame? Yeah, I switched to Notre Dame. Okay, so Notre Dame took out LaSalle, 49-32. They are going to play each other this week. Good game. The bottom half, yeah. bottom half, we have Upland, upset Norco. I'm pretty sure we both took Nor- Norco in that one. I believe we did. That was, uh, that was a game, just a, a back and forth game. Like I, said, I was watching a lot of that one on Prep Zone. Uh, Illingworth had the four touchdowns, but I already mentioned the seven sacks. And if, this, if there's one thing about Shane, he's got, he's got to spend his whole offseason working on. He's he's a good athlete, he, good straight line speed. If you were to time him in his 40, but uh, he's got to do a lot better job of being able to extend plays, making a guy miss, doing something outside the pocket. Um, yeah, a few of those sacks were just jailbreak blitzes coming through, but a few also were plays I thought he could have maybe you know spun around. Um, bought some time. Yeah. That's what he, he's got to get better at, for sure. A pocket guy, guys open. He can hit him. He's he's really good there, but he's got to be able to do a better job of that. Cameron Davis played really well. Jonathan Flo again, no Justin Flo in this one. Um, he's out for the playoffs, is what I was told. But Upland stepped up in a big way. They are an underdog in this game. They don't. They're not an underdog very often, but they were. This is kind of a little bit of a rivalry game as well. So Upland with a big win, and then Calabasas also with a big win, 41-20 to 20 over San Juan Hills, yep. which is going to set up an Upland-Calabasas uh, semifinal at Calabasas. So we'll see what happens with that. Again, uh, all the fires going on and uh, some poor air quality. I'm curious if they're going to move that one from Friday to Saturday, or I even heard TF talking about maybe just waiting a week and then moving everything back a week and playing this game in two weeks from now. So mm-hmm. top half, Rancho Verde, Notre Dame, at Notre Dame, Sherman Oaks, Keith. And then bottom half, Upland at Calabasas. It's gonna be it's gonna be a good week in Division Two. I can tell you that right now, or a good two weeks, depending on how all that shakes out. But should be a lot of fun, GB. Let's get to Division One. Last but not least, we had Tito Bosco with a uh, a big win over San Clemente, fifty-six to six. We had the game that we've been talking about all day, Oaks Christian, with a thirty-five to thirty-four win. Extra points, Keith. The second he missed that extra point, Jay Sarek, not going to call out the name, but uh, looked at Ivan and we kind of said, hey, he's going to come back to bite him. And it did. 35 to 34 was the final there. And Keith, so you watched the game on TV. I got screened a little bit by the referee. I was right at end zone, but it looked like Munir McClain had two hands on that Hail Mary pass at the end of the game. Did you see that? I did see that. And he (laughs) did have two hands on it. The problem was a defender flashes. As soon as Munir gets his hands on it, 
a defender flashes right across him and knocks the ball out of his hand. I mean, it was almost simultaneously, and uh, he couldn't hold on. Tough play to make. Uh, tried to make it. Defender makes a good play, and I just had us off to Oaks Christian. They they made one more play than Jay Sarah did, but Munir was was fantastic. I thought in the game. No, it was funny talking about flashing. Like literally, a ref flashed in front of me. Like I I was right there in that end zone, and I thought I I go, dude. I thought he caught the ball, yeah. and then I was blinded for a half second, and I saw the ball on the ground and, and him on the ground. And by no means might I try to blame yeah. blame Munir. No, no, catch. no. That would have been a phenomenal catch, but uh, hey, that could have crazy. That would have been a crazy ending. Uh, <laughs> Hail Mary, but but, but suitable, mean, but suitable because it was such a great game. It was a great game, and we'll get to that in a second. Let's run these rest of these down. Modern Day Mission Viejo, fifty-six to seventeen. Um, and then Centennial Corona, 58-20 to 20 over Rancho. I think Centennial scored touchdowns on the first seven drives. So it was 49 to whatever Rancho had, and that one was kind of put to bed early. So both quarterbacks, Freeland and uh, Ala McCullough, played well. Gary Bryant had defense. Centennial was able to roll. Um, Modern Day Mission watched that one on prep zone. Mission Viejo, man, they like to hit that quarterback. And yeah. they got called for three personal fouls. They got called for eight against San Clemente. And a lot of them were just kind of just doing, like, little chippy stuff. You know, quarterback hands it off. They go and, and smash the quarterback and then say, well, you know, it was a zone replay. We couldn't tell. A couple of times, it was a good second to two seconds after the handoff. So I'm not sure what their deal was, but they hit Bryce quite a bit. And then I know they did the same thing against San Clemente. You know, they had eight personal fouls. Physical, physical football, I, I like it, but... And if it's going to hurt you with all these personal fouls, might want to dial that back a little bit. Uh, I thought Joey Yale threw the ball pretty well. Um, Kelly Arnold hurt his ankle. JoJo Forrest had some concussion-like symptoms. He had to come out of the game early, too. So they're two star receivers. Uh, Devin Wollard also was playing well. He was hurt and banged up. So Mission was a mash unit by the end of the game. And Marnay's pass rush was very good. Cameron Hudson was very good. He had two sacks, two and a half sacks. Already mentioned Brew McCoy, Big Mike Martinez had a really good game. Uh, Bryce threw the ball exceptionally well. Um, I always talk about it all the time. I still need to see him get some depth on that drop. He, he takes that real casual, sure. you know, two and three steps, and that's why I think a lot of teams are able to get to him. Then he's able to scramble around. But you know, Centennial, and I won't spend time talking about it, but Centennial with that great pass rush, Keith. Like Bryce has got to get some depth. They say seven to ten yards on your drop is what you want to get and Bryce has the arm to do it so just that real slow casual thing it just it, it allows defensive players to get in his face so much earlier than if he took a, a real real drop so other than that no complaints with Marty they got down early had a pump block mission converted into a field goal um, they were down early 3-0 uh, Dent Flinch played really well Kobe Harper four touchdowns Sean Dollars ran the ball caught the ball pretty well um any thoughts on that before we kind of focus more on the on the you know the most exciting game of the weekend was the Jay Sarah Oaks game? Do you have any thoughts on the other three games? No, I think they all kind of came out the way I thought. Mission game would be closer, but because of injuries, um, I can see how it kind of got out of hand. So I'm not going to hold that against Mission. But you talked a little bit about their chippiness. They've kind of got a chippy coach. You know, Chad Johnson is a aggressive coach. He coaches with an edge, with a chip on his shoulder. I think the players reflect that, and 
by no means do am I calling Chad an undisciplined coach, but you know sometimes players can take that a step further and they can cross that line in terms of personal foul penalties. That might be what happened here, kind of uh, unconsciously. But uh, I think everybody who was supposed to win won. And in my eyes, I pick Oaks for the upset. Um, and I thought Charbonnet was special. We talked about that. But I thought Jay Sarah Kids played well. Sammy Green was impressive. Um, Chris Street was very, very good. I thought Munir McClain was very, very good. It just, it was, they couldn't stop Charbonnet. And they could have played for 10 hours. It wouldn't have mattered because they weren't going to stop him. Uh, they just weren't. He was a man possessed running the pill. And when you get a, a running back in a zone, Greg, which I believe he was in, I mean, he was his two-yard runs were very physical and hard, let alone the eight- and nine-yard runs. So uh, Oaks Christian gets the win, but they move on without the number one prospect in the country per 247 composite, Greg Biggins. They move on without Kayvon Thibodeau, who apparently will not be a participant in next week's semifinal matchup with the number one ranked St. John Bosco Braves. GB? I am fascinated to see. And you know what? We talked about Charbonnet, but you know what? I was impressed by and I, and I saw Oaks Christian in person against an honor ball in San Diego, but their offensive line is pretty good. Like, this isn't a bunch of little, you know, Gritty, gutty, 215-pound kids. No, no, no. And no, no, They no, are no. big. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? They are. They got some big dudes that play really hard. And, yeah, you know what, Zach gets a lot after contact, but that Oaks line kind of kind of wear you down a little bit. Um, Oaks really impressed with just the coaching staff and the discipline outside of, you know, a few penalties here and there. No turnovers. Um, not a lot of penalties. They played a clean game. As I mentioned, Josh Calvert – is not a quarterback. He's a linebacker going to UW, but he just makes plays. They had uh, Jay Sarah shot himself in the foot at the pick six. They also had a roughing the punter. Um, they caused a three and out on the ensuing after the roughing the punter, and that's when Josh hit them with the fake punt for a first down. A play later, they hit the deep ball. Uh, Calvert did on a broken play. Um, that was wide open in the end zone. So, you know, Jay Sarah, my personal opinion, um, Zach Charbonnet was the best player on the field. I think if they played each other five times, I think Jay Sarah probably wins three of those at least. Um, but on this particular night, I thought Oaks definitely deserved it. I think Jay Sarah got off that 14 nothing start and then almost kind of relaxed a little bit. And Oaks just kept coming. You know, Charlie's a fiery coach. Sure. And he had those guys. They have a great staff. And those guys, they, those guys came to play. You know, they, I, it, was, uh, it, was a, it was a really good game. And it was just unfortunate. You kind of saw the thrill of victory. And, you know, an hour after the game, I was still there talking to some parents. And there was a couple of Jay Sarah linemen who kind of went back on the field. And they just sat on the 50-yard line, Keith. Just right. sat there with their full pads on. Yeah. Because their season was over. It was kind of heartbreaking just to see. You know, you saw the you know the thrill of victory and then just the agony of defeat. Sure. But can Charbonnet do it one more time? We'll talk about it on the Friday show. Can Charbonnet do it against St. John Bosco's defensive front? You know, Jason Nagel was at that game. Uh, and he told me, Hey, this is before the game. He goes, I go, dude, your defense is really good. He goes, this is my best defense. This is my best defensive front I've ever had. This is better than the 2013 team. So it'll be that great defensive front against Oaks and their 
underrated but very impressive O-line. Sure. And against arguably the top or at least one of the top two, top three running backs in the country. And Zach Termini, it's going to be awesome. Um, but hey, real quick on Bosco and San Clemente, Keith, that was kind of a fun game. <laughs> the atmosphere, I don't know if you get a chance to watch any of that on TV. No. But San Clemente scored in the very last play of the game, right? Okay. And you know, it's all about one, one town, one team. Yes. They, have, they have one of the best home crowds. Dude, the crowd literally went nuts. Like, they had just won the Super Bowl. That's awesome. It was, it was hilarious. It was awesome, but it was, it was so funny. It was 56-0, to and they scored on a play that went, like, through three defenders' hands. The guy catches the ball in the end zone, and it was, it was just pure chaos. So, I love St. Clemente, the program, Coach Ortiz, the, the purity that they play with, and just their style. But, you know, they actually got off, I thought, to a pretty good start. You mentioned you didn't get to see the game, but... You know, they sacked DJ. They picked him off early on. They didn't really look in sync early on. Yeah. And then McDuffie had a probably turn for a touchdown. It's 7 nothing. And then San Clemente, you know, kind of was still hanging around. They held Bosco. They got the ball back. They punted away. And then the other McDuffie, Joe McDuffie, not related, uh, he goes for a probably turn for a touchdown. So it's 14-0. to um, And Bosco's offense hasn't even moved the ball that much. Yeah. And at that point, you're going, okay, like, we're kind of – we're kind of snake bit. And then DJ started hitting some deep balls, and Kobe Bowman, gosh, is he fast in the open field. He took a slant and outran the defense. So Bosco, Jay, uh, Jay, Bosco Oaks, Modern Day, and Centennial. And uh, yes, sir, Keith, we'll talk about those games on Friday, and uh, we'll, we'll even see if they're going to even play on Friday. What, what would you do, Keith? You know what's going on in the, in the Southern California area. Sure. Would you, would you, this, I mean, your first CIF, do you think it's better just to wait a week and play two weeks from now as opposed to this weekend? I think if that's in the best interest of uh, public safety, uh, player safety, uh, community safety, then yes. Uh, safety has to be um, first priority. And if the weather conditions, uh, the smoke inhalation or the, the residue uh, is still a problem or could be a problem then I think you push it back a week Greg I mean that doesn't hurt anybody I think it only helps everybody um, involved so yes I push it back but really quick I want to get back to the St. John Bosco the San Clemente game gave me a little bit of a funny feeling in my stomach Greg and I know this is going to sound a little bit controversial some people who I enjoy talking to probably ain't going to like this some people who I don't enjoy talking to probably going to like this but uh, I saw it as a anticlimactic moment for high school sports here in Southern California when you have you know self self I guess the word I'm looking for is is you know self named one town one team you're talking about a San Clemente team doesn't you know they don't get a bunch of transfers they don't have a bunch of guys all over the place I mean it's literally people come from that town to play for that team and something that I really respect and appreciate and you have a private school which is built more like an all-star team um, it's, it's just not very competitive Greg it makes me queasy in my stomach I don't feel good about it um, but that's the day and age we live in and uh, this is what we have to go on so hat is off to San Clemente Coach Ortiz read his quotes after the game. He says, you know, Bosco is the best team he's seen in 23 years. Nobody's going to beat them the rest of the way. 
they're just unbelievably talented. And all I could think about was, yeah, you're right. But hats off to San Clemente. Great year. Uh, they fought. They got moved up a division this year, I believe. And um, they laid it on the line. And great for them that they scored on the last play of the game. And I, I can see why their fans might have gone crazy. I'm sure they were outman, overmatched. And uh, it probably looked like a college-level team playing against a high school team. That's all I got, GB. Um, it, it did. It, it definitely did. Yeah. And Artiz even said I would pay 10 bucks to watch them go play Saddleback Junior College. Yeah, well, there you that go. That would probably be a local. What about this? Not to be controversial, but K. John Bosco is the number one seed, and they've only had one playoff. They've only had one home game in the playoffs. They had to travel to San Clemente, which is a little bit of a drive, and now they have to go on the road and play at Oaks Christian, which is even an even bigger drive. Yeah. I, I don't know. Maybe you think, you know, hey, that's what's fair is fair, coin toss. I've always felt like, man, if you deserve – I think the higher seeded team should be able to get the home field, like throughout the playoffs, until you get to the final. Yeah, no, that's part of the part of the purpose of winning. You know, you're thinking <clears throat> getting that high seed is you should get home field all the way through. It doesn't make sense that Bosco literally has to have one home game in the first round, and then because they lost a couple of coin tosses, they go on the road as the number one seed two weeks in a row. It just seems kind of just backward. It's funny you bring that up, Greg. It's a great segue. To what I just said, and I'm a tight end like this. Um, traditionally, if you win, you host home games. Traditionally, in sports, but traditionally, you go to the school in your community. Nobody cares about fair anymore, Greg. Life ain't fair. Sports ain't fair. Nobody cares about fair. Nobody cares about any of that. Only the one thing that matters. And uh, sorry to tell you, uh, you know, people might not want to hear that, Greg, but you know what? It's the transparent truth. And hey, it's not fair, but nobody cares about fair. Kids are being held back two years. Nobody cares about fair. Uh, people care about themselves. They don't care about anybody else. They care about themselves. And that's where we find ourselves. But with that being said, uh, this is the day and age we live in. And you got to go out there and compete, and if you don't want to compete, then get out the game. I chose, I did not want to compete, Greg, in this era of high school football. That's why I stopped coaching. Um, I was not going to go out and, and, and chase kids and and so on and so forth, some of the shenanigans these coaches have to do these days. I wasn't going to do it. Um, so I got out. So if you don't want to compete, get out. If you do want to compete, then you know continue doing what you do, and I'll sit here and talk about it. That's about it, GB. That's all I got for you. There you go. That's a great way to close it. No doubt about it. So, hey, uh, we're going to wrap this baby up. Appreciate you guys for joining us, for listening in. It's the Transparent Truth. Appreciate my partner, Greg Biggins, always here with me, recording live on a Tuesday. Check in to our matchup show on Friday. We'll be talking about the latest games, semifinal games, hopefully, that are coming on this Friday, uh, but may get pushed back. So we'll see how CIF wants to play it. Anyway, time to bring this baby up to a close. GB, there's a new sheriff in town, and his name's Reggie Hammond. Y'all be cool.